Welcome to another episode of The Impolite Psychologist. So today I wanted to talk about something that probably everybody is aware of, and that is the concept of black and white thinking, which has definitely plagued our society over the last so many years, that people have to choose one side or the opposite side. There is no in-between, there is no middle on most issues. And we've seen this with the elections, Trump versus Biden, we've seen it with COVID, mask versus no mask, getting the vaccine versus not getting the vaccine. We see this with you're either racist or you're not racist. And that one's really laughable to me because it makes me think about this Broadway play, Avenue Q. This was a award-winning Broadway show for a number of years. And you can still find it in smaller venues, but basically it's an homage to Sesame Street, but for adults. And there's a song in the show called Everyone's a Little Bit Racist. And it basically talks about how nobody is sort of free from being a racist, that everybody is, no matter what your cultural background is, you are not not racist. Everybody is. And so this kind of stuff, the idea that somebody is all or nothing is part of the problem nowadays. And it's perpetuated by all the keyboard warriors out there who get on social media and say very controversial or very rude things to one another and say things that truthfully, these same people would never have the guts to say in real life. But because they're hiding behind their computer screens, they go crazy and extreme. And the extreme stuff stands out and we see it the most. And so what happens is that we end up all thinking that everybody's viewpoint is very extreme. Now, Jordan Peterson is a psychologist who is out of Canada and clearly has spent his life in research. And in my opinion, has basically said most things from the point of view of somebody who's actually a centrist, who is actually completely in the middle and understands nuances and looks for further information in order to verify his point of view on things. My impression is that he is a person who would change his mind if given further information and would change his stance on things because he is flexible and when informed further will make a better decision about his viewpoint. Now, what's interesting about him is he has gotten labeled as some kind of extremist right winger. 
on the internet. And what I find so interesting about this situation is that recently he was a guest on the Joe Rogan show and he talked about how in the last so many years, I think he said six years, everybody he has met in person that he has interacted with has been very warm and cordial towards him with the exception of say three people. And he gets around, he travels all over and does speaking engagements and he's written books and he is somebody who's out there in the public eye quite a bit. So to think about that, that he only had people be significantly rude to him like three times in all these years and in all of his appearances and just sort of going about his day, that's pretty amazing considering he's been villainized as some kind of extreme right winger on the internet. But I think this kind of speaks to the idea that things are extreme there, but they're not necessarily extreme in real life, which makes me feel a lot better about our society to know that people can actually recognize nuance and consider all kinds of points of view and nobody has to stay in a camp and 100% pledge allegiance to said camp. But there is this sort of you're with me or against me kind of thing that has been going on in our society. Now, I don't know where this started. I can tell you that having been a therapist for all these decades, there are people who end up in this black and white kind of thinking and it sort of carries them in their life. And I'm not talking about, well, they pick a political side and they stick with it. It's more about being inflexible in the thinking and that there's a belief that everything is categorized into two polar opposites and that everybody has to pick a side psychologically. So for example, I will see this when people come in to see me for the first time and they will tell me what their issue is and they will start to categorize their issues. For example, something like this. I have a problem with anxiety. And if I were just stronger, then things would be a lot easier. And I have decided to come to therapy because I want you to help me get strong. And so as therapy goes on, of course, the opposite of that is weak. And so when a person gives into their anxiety or feels overwhelmed by their anxiety and feels like they can't do something or they can't go somewhere because of their anxiety, they will 
often revert to calling it weakness. And it is not weakness. And it's not that simple. It is not weak versus strong. Being debilitated by mental health issues is not because you didn't try to be strong enough or that you're a weak person. It has nothing to do with weak versus strong. But this is one of those categories that people attach to mental health problems. So somewhere along the way, in a person's family, they learned somehow that they were weak or they were strong, depending on how they dealt with problems in their life. And that often their parents gave them this message, like if you don't stand up to that bully, you're weak. If you're having problems standing up in front of your class and doing your presentation, you just got to be strong. I hear that a lot. My mom always told me or my dad always told me I had to be strong through the tough times in life. And so the thing about it is that dealing with difficult issues is not simply divided into weak versus strong. It is much more nuanced than that. Another issue that people show up with is positive versus negative. And these are the folks usually who will walk in with the idea that positive affirmations are the answer to everything. They will come in and they will tell me how they should be thinking and what their viewpoint should be. So for example, I shouldn't be upset about being broken up with. I should be more positive about dating. I should not let the negativity control my life. And everything gets lumped into positive or negative. And so it'll play out like this. A person might be challenged by a depressed mood one day. And because of that, they won't go out with their friends. And they will often blame themselves for not having a positive enough attitude about their friends. I should just be grateful that I have friends and that they want to go out with me and they're so good to me and what is wrong with me? Why do I get so caught up in this negativity and not want to spend time with them? And if I just spent time with them, everything would be much more positive. What's wrong with me that I can't feel more positive about going out with them? And so... This kind of attitude usually comes from a family that minimized strife, a family that basically believed that the best way out of 
mental health symptoms is to focus on the positive. That if you are struggling with anything internally, you should count your blessings. Think about how wonderful the things are in your life. Focus on what's good about today. And even though it's understandable and well-meaning that we should be grateful and focus on the wonderful blessings in our lives, it's also a way of sort of minimizing and shaming a person for having negative viewpoints and or having negative days or negative thoughts. And the truth is, is that we all have both. And from one day to the next, it can change rapidly. You can have a really positive day one day and a really negative day another day. And some days you have a mixture of both. And that's what it is to be human. And you cannot force yourself to be positive when you're not in a positive space. But it's not to be judged that way. It's not to be judged as positive or negative because a lot of times there's a lot of neutral in between as well. There's a lot of stuff that doesn't really hold weight in one direction or another, but often people believe that if they're not focused on the positive, then they must be in the negative. When in fact, we could be somewhere in between. So another one that I see come up that is a tough one is the idea of loving somebody versus hating them. And we see this a lot, obviously, when we start talking politics. There's that you're either with me or against me. I either love you because you're on my side politically or I hate you because you're on the other side. And there used to be a time where people from opposite ends of the political spectrum could actually be friends because we knew that we connected with each other in a myriad of ways and disagreed about a bunch of different things. But that was true about our relationships with everybody, that even somebody on the same political side as us could have very different viewpoints on the world in certain ways. And so we accepted that. Now I hear people coming into therapy telling me, well, yeah, I don't speak to my parents anymore because, you know, they're on the other side. And that's just sad that well-meaning people who haven't really done anything super egregious to one another end up deciding to hate each other because of what political party they are registered under. And it just makes no sense. And I think the reality is that most people are more in the middle, but they make you pick a side when you register to vote. And so you feel you have to be on that side 100%. And I can tell you that both or all political parties have flaws, but 
that's the world we live in. Now, the way that this plays out internally is that clients will, will come in to see me and they will have come from some type of abusive background that they were somehow emotionally, physically, sexually abused by people in their family. And a lot of times they get confused because the confusion has to do with not being able to hate somebody who treated them badly, that they struggle with the idea that if, say, for example, their father hit them a lot and hurt them a lot, they struggle with the fact that they still have positive feelings for dad and still want to be around him and still want to please him in some way. And usually they get mad at themselves for not being able to 100% hate that person. And they get confused about not being able, why they can't just hate that person. Or it goes in the other direction too, where I see people come in and they say, well, yeah, dad abused me, but he's my dad, so I'm supposed to love him no matter what. And that's extreme too, because there's a lot going on here where you might feel some of those angry feelings towards dad. So this is tough because I always have to have a conversation with people about being a human being and that no human being is going to be all good or all evil all the time. That even the dad who hit you may have had moments where it seemed like he loved you. And maybe there were lots of moments like that. And that creates confusion. But the reason it creates confusion is because people believe they have to pick a side. And the reality is that you can both love and hate the same person at the same time and have neutral feelings for them as well. That you don't have to choose. You can be angry with somebody for mistreating you and you can still love them for the good things that they actually did in your life. And so this is sort of the dilemma that everyone believes they have to pick and the confusion comes from not being able to pick. You shouldn't be able to pick. You shouldn't have to choose a side. If you are being true to yourself and your feelings and your attachments to other people, you will recognize that there's a lot of in-between and you can feel both love and hate for the same person at the same time and that's okay. Now, a lot of times these things get inflated, weak versus strong, positive versus negative, love versus hate. All of these end up getting to the real extreme view, 
which is I am a good person versus I am a bad person. And this oversimplification of a person's relationship with themselves really creates a lot of trouble. And the relationship that you have with yourself is the most important one you will have with anyone. Because no matter what people are doing in your life or doing to you in your life, as long as you feel like you have handled that relationship or that situation in the best way you could have possibly handled it, and you're good with yourself, then everything will be okay. But if you go on to think that you are underneath all of it, just a bad person, and that there are good people in the world and you're just a bad one, then that's a recipe for disaster. You cannot overcome this. And I see this in ways that are more subtle. People don't walk into therapy and say, I am a bad person, you need to fix me. But it does come out when we start to talk about things that a person has struggled with. And they will say things like, I'm just so bad. I don't know, I'm just, I'm just a bad person for having done that. And so it becomes a total belief about themselves. And I will see this too in terms of performance anxiety in therapy. A lot, a lot, a lot of people will ask me, how am I doing in therapy? Or do you think it's possible that I could get better? Or am I just a hopeless case? And underlying that is the idea that they're a bad patient or a bad client. And usually that means they think of themselves as a bad person too. And this certainly comes from families in which they were given conditional love. If you succeed and you do well at school, at sports, chores, whatever it is, you are a good kid. But if you do badly at any of those things, if you fail in school, if you're terrible at baseball, or if you don't do what I asked you to do, I don't really love you. And usually parents don't actually say that out loud, but they will show it with their action or inaction with the child. And they will get upset. They might, for example, get upset when a kid fumbles a ball in a football game and, and loses that game for the team. And they will get angry with their child or ignore their child, which sends the message that I am no good if I can't do this right, that if I don't perform, 
I am not lovable. I am not a good person. I'm a bad child. And you would be surprised how often I encounter this. It's quite prevalent. So if I had to give you advice about black and white thinking, if I had to give you advice about your thoughts about yourself and others, I would say, take a look at all those places in your life where black and white thinking lives, where you think of yourself as weak or strong, good or bad, think of others as being for you or against you, love or hate others. If you find yourself with these extreme feelings about yourself or anybody else in your life, take a look at how you could come to the middle on this because black and white thinking gets people into a lot of trouble psychologically. That the more you stay in the poles on your relationships with others and in your relationship with yourself, the less likely you are going to get to healing. Healing is in the gray areas. Being able to come to resolution with all that you have dealt with in your life and all of your relationships means that you will come to a place where everything is nuanced and there are not black and white thoughts or judgments about the things that you have experienced and the relationships you have had. You will see that there is a more complicated, less simplified way of viewing your experience of the world and your experiences with others. And when you can get to that place of nuance and gray area and complicated, then you will get to a place where you can heal. Be well, and thank you for listening.